Hello there, and welcome to the Life is Hard, God is Good podcast. I'm your host, Rachel Miller, and today we are on episode three of the Win series, When You Are Heartbroken. So if you're here today, I am so sorry, because you probably had your heart broken. Most people have experienced this at least once in their life, and it's just a very painful part of life. Everyone's situations are very different, but today we're just going to dive right in and be real about the hardships of heartbreak and find God's goodness and his truth for us to hold on to in the midst of it. So I never really had a breakup until 2020, and then in 2020 I had two broken engagements. So with both of these guys I was planning a wedding and a life together, and one of them I was with for nearly five years. So it's definitely painful. And I don't say this to throw a pity party. I'm just hoping that God can use my heartbreak to encourage you in whatever situation you're in. So I just want to share a, a little journal entry that I had after my breakup. And it was a prayer to God. And maybe this is something that will resonate with you and where you're at. I said, God, it's really hard for me to talk to you right now because I don't want to admit that I'm angry with you. I don't understand how this fits in your plan for my life. You've given me desires and you've taken away what I love most. I keep thinking I've hit rock bottom, but somehow it still gets deeper. How much further must I go? This morning I felt awful and hoped my heart would just stop beating and then I wouldn't have to feel this pain anymore. Where are you in this? So heartbreak is very real. Uh, The heart is a very important part of us. And so it hurts, you know, heartbreak is hard because your heart is so important. Anatomically, your heart is a central, essential, vital organ. And in the Bible, it is of utmost importance. You know, God tells us to love him with all your heart. And a broken heart can be so painful emotionally, mentally, even physically. There's actually a condition called broken heart syndrome where it feels like you're having a heart attack after an emotional experience or stress. Um, And so it's a very real thing. But God cares about you in the midst of that he sees you in psalm 34 18 it says the lord is near the brokenhearted he saves those crushed in spirit and in isaiah 61 verse 1 this is a prophecy about the coming messiah it says the spirit of the lord god is on me because the lord has anointed me to bring good news to the poor he has sent me to heal the brokenhearted to proclaim liberty to the captives and and freedom to the prisoners so your heart is very important and he cares when you are brokenhearted. The Bible mentions the heart hundreds of times. In the King's James Version, it's over 800 times that the heart is mentioned throughout. Um, you know, we want to be careful with our hearts. In Proverbs 4, 23, it says, Above all else, guard your heart, for everything you do flows from it. And mostly our heartbreaks come from romantic relationships when we invite someone special to share our lives and in some way we imagine the possibility of a future life together or even plan a future life together. So whether it was for weeks, months, years, no matter the level of commitment, it's hard. When you, it hurts if you're the one who broke it up or if you were the one who's broken up with or if it was mutual, it's just hard and it hurts. You go through a grieving process It might not be the death of a person, but it is the death of that relationship or the death of even how you knew that person. Uh, Most of the time after a relationship 
you don't really have communication anymore. And it's been suggested that a heartbreak is sometimes harder than um, a, a death or a loss because that person still exists, they're still out there, but they don't want to talk to you or you can't talk to them. And so just being aware that when you're in a situation where you have heartbreak, you are going through a grieving process and that's okay. There's different stages of grief and I want us to talk about that. The stages are denial, anger, bargaining, depression, and acceptance. So you go through all of these stages in grief and it's not a linear process. You don't get better and better and better. There's good days and bad days. Over time you do heal, but it's not something that increasingly gets better just every day. There's good days and bad days and you go through all these stages and they're not um, always in a perfect order. Sometimes you can experience two at a time or they're out of order a little bit, but the general order that it kind of goes is denial, anger, bargaining, depression, and acceptance. Denial is usually right after the loss has happened when you don't want to admit that it's real. Like you don't want to see reality as it is. You think, oh, they're coming back or they didn't mean it. You know, they're, they're just, they're just going through something, but we're not really done. We're still have a hope. We still have a chance. And then anger is kind of realizing more of what's happened and being really upset about it. Maybe you're angry at that person for what they said or how they handled it. Maybe you're angry at yourself or the situation. Um, so there's denial, anger, and bargaining. It's kind of thinking of how it would be if I had done this or how it could be if I had done that. Kind of trying to reason with it and see if there's a way that you could have or would have made it better. Depression is just kind of that being in a pit and feeling this hopelessness and not really being able to see the hope. And then there's acceptance, which is being able to grasp the new reality. And so again, these are the grief stages and it's not a linear process. They can come and go. And um, I've heard a, a couple of great examples of illustrating grief. One of them is being in an ocean, like you're dropped in the middle of a storm in the ocean, and right when the that grief begins, you know, there's just waves everywhere, and you can't even catch your breath because it's just wave after wave after wave, and you're just drowning, it feels like. But as time goes on, the storm subsides, maybe you start going away from deeper waters, and so it's still hard, and it takes some work, uh, but the waves are less frequent. There are still waves, and they hit you, and it's hard to breathe, but the waves get less frequent and it's less extreme. I've also heard of the illustration where there's like a ball inside a box and there's a button inside the box too. And the button kind of represents like when you feel the grief. And at first when you experience the loss, the ball inside the box is huge. So it's constantly hitting that button and you just feel the grief all the time. But as time goes on, the ball gets smaller and it kind of bounces around in the box. And so you can be feeling fine and then maybe the ball will hit the button and you feel that grief all over again. And so I feel like these are good illustrations of showing how grief can work because at first it is very overwhelming and it does get better over time, but there are times when waves come back or when you hit that button again and you just feel it all over again. So it's just really important to be okay with the grieving process 
you know, there's not a time limit with it. It's a time of healing and it's okay to just let it happen. And you don't have to worry about a certain time limit or how you should be feeling because it's going to look different for everyone. And also, I just want to say this is for everyone, but especially if someone has broken up with you, I really want you to hear this. Maybe you know it, but I really want you to accept these words and allow them to resonate with you. A breakup does not say anything about your worth or your identity. I'm going to say that again. A breakup does not say anything about your worth or your identity. Just as being in a relationship, being engaged, being married does not say anything about your worth or identity. A breakup says more about compatibility than your worth or your value. Rejection can feel like, oh, I'm not good enough. I, I questioned a lot, you know, if this imperfect human doesn't love me, how could God who is perfect, how could he love me? However, we need to remember people are imperfect and they choose rejection. You know, usually from past hurts or from being fallen. But God is perfect and he offers acceptance, adoption, and unconditional love out of his character. So rejection says more about the person who chose it, not about the person who was rejected, not about their worthiness. And acceptance says more about the person who offers it than the person who is accepted. You cannot become more acceptable or good enough. Like, what would that even look like? We're all flawed humans. You know, acceptance lies in the heart of the giver. God, this is something that Brennan Manning said, God loves you just as you are and not as you should be because none of us are as we should be. So I just want you to know that, that your worth is not in your relationship status and your worth does not change because you have gone through a breakup or you're experiencing heartbreak. So really give yourself grace. It is a process and it's a time of healing. Some things that might help you is finding a support system. Counseling is great, cannot recommend it enough. You want to have people that you can talk to about this. You don't want to bottle up your feelings because it will come back later, I guarantee it. Whether that be a counselor or a therapist, friends, family, people you trust that you can come to and really express your feelings and just allow yourself to feel those emotions. Also, just finding new things to do. Sometimes the distractions are helpful. You do want to feel the emotions, but sometimes distractions can be good too. So finding new activities, things to do. You want to find good ways to cope, not just ways to cope. You want to find good ways to cope, whether that be going on drives, journaling, calling a friend, going on a hike, listening to some good music, whatever that looks like for you. It's also really helpful to get in scripture. Scripture has a lot of different aspects to it, and there is an aspect of grief and pain. The Psalms is a great example because David has all these, these Psalms of praise, but he also has Psalms of lament, where he's just crying out to God from his pain and his situations. And so there's a lot of great Psalms that can really resonate with you when you're going through heartbreak. And a chapter that I wrote out was Lamentations 3. We usually think of Lamentations 3.23 talking about God's faithfulness and mercy that's new every morning. And it's a beautiful verse. And it's sandwiched in this whole chapter about grief and hard things. And so 
looking at that chapter, it's helpful to just see, you know, it's okay to go through hard things. It's literally in the Bible, people who are lamenting and grieving and going through pain. So it's okay to read those, resonate with that, write it out. And it's okay to be real with God. He created you and your feelings and your emotions. He knows we are emotional beings and he doesn't expect us to be happy and joyful all the time. I was afraid to go to him when I was angry because I'd never really been angry with him before. But he can handle our emotions. Did you know that? He can handle that. If you're feeling upset with him, talk to him about it. He would love to hear you talk to him about it. So give yourself grace. Give yourself time. You know, if you love well, it hurts really deep. And it's okay if you need to avoid, you know, certain places or activities and things like that that might bring back old memories. It's also okay to go back to those old places and activities and make new memories. Everyone's different. And something that's really helpful is to avoid any shoulds. So sometimes when I'm feeling a certain way, I feel like, oh, I should be feeling this instead, or I should be over this by now, or I shouldn't feel that way and I should be doing this. No, it's helpful to just acknowledge where you're at. This is something my therapist said, was that you want to acknowledge what you're feeling, give yourself grace in it, and then move on. So acknowledge, give yourself grace, move on. Acknowledging it means that you see the emotion that you're feeling and recognizing it. You know, I feel angry. I feel upset. I feel really hopeless. Give yourself grace in that. You don't have to say, oh, I shouldn't be feeling like this. I should feel like this. No, it's okay to give yourself grace and using like a healthy coping mechanism, whether that be going on a walk, coloring, calling a friend. Give yourself grace in that emotion and then move on. You don't need to dwell in that emotion, but you want to acknowledge it and give yourself grace and then move on. A not helpful way to cope is by um, speaking bad about the other person or hating on them. That is not a good way to cope. Our brains sometimes want it to want our breakup situations to be a black and white, good and bad situation. However, it's two complicated people in a complicated situation. And so we need to recognize that both individuals are flawed, but made in God's image. And so even if they've hurt you, they're still a human made in God's image who makes mistakes. But we need to respect and love them no matter what. C.S. Lewis said in The Weight of Glory, there are no ordinary people you have never talked to a mere mortal. So we need to think about the weight of the words that we're saying. Um, sometimes people want to talk badly about the other person um, to cope with it, but that's not helpful and it's not healthy. We want to still love that person. We can see the flaws in people without hating. We want to love the sinner but hate the sin. Or it might even be sin, like maybe you're just upset with how they handled things, but that's not a reason to hate. We can see their flaws and we can also recognize in ourselves things that we can grow in. You don't need to change your whole identity, but you can find ways and character traits that could use some growth. Relationships are great learning opportunities no matter how they pan out. It's okay to evaluate the relationship and you might want to try to understand what happened. Sometimes there's closure with it and understanding of like, okay, it didn't work out because of this and sometimes it's easier to 
manage your thoughts with that. But sometimes closure isn't there, and that's really hard when you don't understand why it worked out how it did. But you do not have to approve what they chose, but you can accept it. You don't have to like the decision they made, but you can accept it. And you can choose to love without being in love or being in a relationship. In Ephesians 4.26, it says, In your anger, do not sin. Do not let the sun go down while you're still angry. You know, it's okay to be angry. It doesn't say do not be angry. But in your anger, do not sin. Do not lash out to hurt others. And in 1 John 2, 9 through 11, it talks about how as as believers, we are called to love. And it's a a sign of being a believer. It says, anyone who claims to be in the light but hates a brother or sister is still in the darkness. Anyone who loves their brother and sister lives in the light, and there's nothing in them to make them stumble. But anyone who hates a brother or sister is in the darkness and walks around in the darkness. They do not know where they are going because the darkness has blinded them. So we want to make sure that we are walking in the light and we are walking in love. Even if you are hurt, you can be hurt and still love. I think with these complicated situations, it can be really easy for us to not want to love or want to trust again. But 1 John 4, 19 says, We love because he first loved us. We love not because it's easy, but because he first loved us. And a quote that helped me immensely is from C.S. Lewis. He says, To love at all is to be vulnerable. Love anything and your heart will be wrung and possibly broken. If you want to make sure of keeping it intact, you must give it to no one, not even an animal. Wrap it carefully around with hobbies and little luxuries. Avoid all entanglements. Lock it up safe in the casket or coffin of your selfishness. But in that casket, safe, dark, motionless, airless, it will change. It will not be broken. It will become unbreakable, impenetrable, irredeemable. To love is to be vulnerable. He goes on to say, We shall draw near to God not by trying to avoid the sufferings inherent in all loves, but by accepting them and offering them to him, throwing away all defensive armor. If our hearts need to be broken, and if he chooses this as the way in which they should break, so be it. So love is being open to pain. It's being vulnerable to that. And there's a phrase, you know, it's better to have loved and lost than to have never loved at all. And that's something that I wrestled with, like, is it is that better? And as I was wrestling with that, I journaled a lot. And this is a journal entry that I had from July. It says, sometimes my mind notices the pain in my heart and logically wonders, is love worth the pain? My soul answers with a resounding yes. Love is worth the fight, the pain, the sorrow. Love is worth giving and receiving and choosing and experiencing. It only hurts when love is imperfectly used by flawed humans. When chosen as it is intended, love is the closest thing to heaven on earth. Unconditional, free, pure, true, patient, kind, rejoicing, excellent love. Love is more than words. God demonstrated his love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. This is the unreciprocal love. Humans mess up, but should model our love after him. Don't be dismayed if your heart hurts from a human. It is worth it. So love can be very painful sometimes because we are flawed human beings. And so our love for each other is thus flawed as well. Only God loves perfectly. 
in 1 Corinthians 13, that's that love chapter, you know, love is patient, kind, does not envy, does not boast. And all of these are great aspects of love, but only God loves perfectly. People are not God. God can use other people, and we are made in his image, but people are not God. Only God will love you perfectly. Only God is completely faithful and keeps his promises. And so there is hope. If you're struggling and hurting, you're not alone, and better days are ahead. And he can restore your heart. I love this verse from Ezekiel 36, 26 says, I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit in you. I will remove from you your heart of stone and give you a heart of flesh. And I also think it's important as when we're experiencing heartbreak, the pain that you're feeling, did you know that you can break God's heart? Being a Christian is not about religion, it's about having a relationship. It's about having a relationship with the Father on the throne who created you, with the Son who came to earth to die for you, and with the Holy Spirit who resides within you. Brennan Manning said that Christianity is not to make nicer people with better morals. It's a love affair. God created you. He chose you. He adopted you. He is awaiting to reunite with the church, his bride. He has an intimate, or he desires an intimate relationship with us. When we choose other things over God, whether that be idols in the form of our job positions, wealth, our physical image, striving for perfection, relationships with people, when we choose those things over God, we are being unfaithful to our first love. John in Revelation wrote to the church in Ephesus in chapter 2, and he goes through a few verses just talking about how they're doing great. You know, I know your deeds, your hard work, and you persevered. But then in verse 4, he says, Yet I hold this against you. You have forsaken your first love. He's talking about God. Like, God is our first love. He deserves the first fruit of our love. In Deuteronomy 26, it talks about how the Israelites were to bring their first fruits of their sacrifices and offerings. And even though we don't bring our sacrifices like that anymore to God, we do need to bring our first fruit of our love to Him. A very sobering thought is, are you breaking God's heart right now? This thought also helps us because we know that He empathizes with us. He knows pain. He knows heartbreak. He's not a vicious God out to get you. Even when our circumstances hurt, he promises that he is working all things for the good of those who love him. We may not understand why things happened how they did, and maybe it was God's protection from something we didn't even see. Maybe it was mercy. Maybe the person was not being fair to you. It's hard because you love them, and maybe you don't see it, but we know that God's ways are higher, and he protects us and loves us. We don't always have the full picture and the clarity that God has, but he knows best. When your heart is broken, rest assured that God is near you. He cares about you and he is our healer. He can heal your heart. He is our first love. He loves us perfectly. And you wanna find someone who loves like he loves. So thank you for joining us today on the Life is Hard, God is Good podcast. You can find us on Instagram at Life is Hard, God is Good. And please join us next Wednesday for the next episode in our win series, When You Need Healing.